Yes, hello and yeah. welcome back to the KFIT Show. We are back in yeah. studio a couple weeks off, but we are back here to talk about all the latest and greatest stuff. I am freshly back from Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I attended the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology Conference. I presented some research. I'm going to dig right into that in this episode. But first, you need to know, my name is Kaylin Angloss. I'm a human performance expert, and I want to help you optimize your performance in exercise and conditioning. Now, have you ever heard of the keto diet? It's one of the hottest things right now. Uh, exogenous ketones, ketones that you take uh, through your diet into your mouth as a supplement. What is it about exogenous ketones? What do you know? Uh, you can't really form a true opinion until you try it. So I tried it. I went, tried some of the keto uh, supplements, and I want to talk about it and how I felt. I'm going to dive into that later in this show. And also, I want to talk about the CSEP conference and a couple things that came up here. So let's get started with this episode of the K-Fit Show. Three, two, one. Yes, we are back. And uh, what a busy week it's been for me in my life, in my academic world. So for those of you that don't know, I was at the CSEP, Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology Conference, last week in Winnipeg. I had two of my studies up for, uh, I had to give a presentation, and then one of them, the fitness test battery that I put together for combat sports athletes, was actually up for an award. So so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, but what a change going from the West Coast to Winnipeg. Uh, it was it was pretty crazy. Actually, when we first got there, it was snowing. It was like the start of the winter peg, the start of the winter in Winnipeg where the snow was coming down. It was about minus 10 degrees. The winds were, were crazy. I didn't know it was so windy in Winnipeg, but we were just getting pelted with, with frozen rain really is what it was. In fact, uh, the second night we were there, one of my committee members, she slipped on the ice and broke her arm, broke her, uh, broke her forearm, both bones. Uh, absolutely terrible. She was rushed to the hospital. She thought she broke her, her hip in the hospital overnight, and, and it was just kind of a, a mayhem and a mess. So, you know, Winnipeg not my favorite place to go. Probably won't go back anytime soon. But the conference itself, the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology Conference was uh, really, really great. A lot of great speakers from all across Canada presenting some of their the top research going on really in, in exercise physiology and in the exercise world. So it was really good to be a part of that, take in all those, all those different symposiums and all those different talks and, and, and really you know, learn something about what's coming on and, and look at other people's research as well. Like I said, I was presenting my research. So I had two abstracts and I put these uh, up on on the on the Facebook page there last week, and a couple of people were asking like, "Well, what what? I don't really understand these abstracts. You know, a lot of a lot of them are like uh, research or, or statistical jargon, you know, which which just means mostly just people in the academic world, like p values and significant findings and all that kind of stuff. But what basically I did uh, for my two studies that I put in 
one of them that was up for an award was we put together the standardized fitness test battery for combat sports athletes and specifically for karate athletes. Now, this is the same test if you're a karate athlete on Karate Canada or Karate BC. It's the same test that you've been doing for the past few years. Um, and so this study was put together basically to give a standardized fitness test for combat sports athletes because really there's nothing in the literature, there's no research to really show what the fitness testing standards are in combat sports. It's one of the, the areas where it's really lagged behind and I want to be the one to bring it. So what we did in this study, there's kind of two parts to this study. What we did first was called a physical demands analysis. And basically what that is, is just looking at the physical requirements that it takes to perform in this particular uh, point for karate athletes. So what we did is we strapped heart rate monitors on them. We, we strapped on what's called accelerometers onto their wrists and ankles and hip just to basically show how intense or, or, or how, how hard they're moving, how fast they're moving. So we can show, you know, is it high intensity movements? Is it low, moderate, whatever? That coupled with the heart rate monitors, we also had an expert panel review to look at what they believe is the requirements for combat sports and again specifically for karate. And then I, I dug into all the research that's been done in fitness testing in the combat sports. And I compiled all of this data to then put together a fitness test battery. So, so six, uh, actually seven different tests measuring different fitness parameters that are required uh, for karate performance that was determined by the physical demands analysis. So all that data that I got. So, you know, from aerobic fitness to anaerobic fitness to, to lower body power, upper body power, all that kind of stuff, whatever the data showed, we then put together a battery of fitness tests to measure it in a nice little package. That was one of the studies that I put in. That was the one I presented. It was up for an award. And uh, yeah, so that was really good. The other study that I also put in there was a modified test. So one of the tests, one of the fitness tests in the fitness test battery is a shuttle test and it's called the 300 meter shuttle. It's just you, you, you go back and forth and cover 300 meters. The standard 300 meter shuttle test is uh, 25 meters apart. So two points, 25 meters apart. You run back and forth until you cover 300 meters. What we found though is that this 25 meters is not really applicable to any combat sports because these mats and these areas are only about 10 meters long. For karate specifically, it's only 10 meters long. So we took this shuttle from 25 meters, brought it to 10 meters, still covered the same distance, 300, and then we ran a bunch of statistical tests just to show that it was in fact a valid measure of, in this case, anaerobic capacity. So the anaerobic performance. So yeah, that was just the other study that was in there for the CSEP conference. And like I said, a lot of good, good talk back and forth, had a lot of people come explain, you know, come talk and ask some questions and, and, and further some of the understanding. So that was really good. Uh, yeah. And, and the CSEP conference itself, you know, there, there was no combat sports research. I was the only one to have any combat sports research. So that really just fuels me because that's what I want to do. I really want to look at the physical requirements of all the combat sports and, and, you know, how to fitness test that. Ironically, 
when I was coming back from, from Winnipeg, Boxing BC, Bob uh, Pugis from Boxing BC, he's the head coach, he actually sent me an email he wanted to meet because now Boxing BC and eventually hopefully Boxing Canada want to take this model and apply it to their sports. So I'm going to be doing some testing on Boxing BC athletes. Again, we're going to strap heart rate monitors on, accelerometers, all this great stuff to look at what it takes to perform in boxing. So that's a lot of fun. And then again, we'll put together fitness tests and all all that kind of thing. So lots of good stuff coming up, lots of uh, work to do, but that's fine with me. I'm not afraid of hard work. So at the CSEP conference in Winnipeg, one of the things that I thought was the most beneficial was the, the last talk, the kind of keynote talk uh, on the last day at the banquet by Dr. Michael Joyner. And what he talked about was the importance of finding value in your training, but also understanding that sometimes you know, we can't measure something or, or it's not about what you can measure. Sometimes as exercise professionals and as exercise scientists, we really want to measure everything and get data and look at this significant value and that significant value. And it's all about getting that and improving it through data. But what was argued at this particular talk in CSEP was that there are some certain things to performance that don't relate to fitness, that don't relate to being measured, that obviously play a role. So if you think about like sports psychology or the mental mindset. We can't really measure that, but obviously there's something with that that affects performance. So we we can't just say that you know you have to be fit or you have to be technically good in your sport. You also have to be mentally fit. You also have to be mentally uh, strong and have the right structure to be able to really succeed. And I thought that was interesting because again, I'm someone that likes to collect data. I like to get it from all angles uh, and then use that data to support just like I did in my studies. But it was interesting to hear a professor, you know, talk about not just the importance of, of the data, but the importance of actually looking at things outside of that box, outside of that realm. He gave a good example in rowing. In rowing, there was a specific coach that uh, he was actually a rowing athlete. But there was a specific coach who, you know, didn't do any of the training by the book. He kind of joked and said, you know, doesn't even know what periodization is. So it was just train harder, train faster, get stronger. And so he would train his athletes, you know, to the bone until they could, you know, train no more. And he got a lot out of his athletes, so much so that they then went to the 2000 Olympics and they uh, had the best performance they've ever had. They actually won first in, in the, the Canada rowing team, the 800-meter rowing team, won first place. The following year, so four years later, you know, sport, politics, something happened. That particular coach wasn't the, the rowing coach anymore. A different coach came in. He implemented, you know, periodization and, and training by the book and making sure you do this, making sure you do that all by the book. And they fell. They fell all the way down to, to sixth, uh, no, seventh place, actually. Seventh place in the same uh, in the same division with the same rowers, too. I found that, I thought that was interesting. So after this, they brought back the first coach that, that, that they had. And again, same thing trained him not by the book, trained him just as hard as he could, as fast as he could. You train as hard as you can, not really doing things the way, you know, quote unquote, you're supposed to do them, but still managed to get that that team back into first place, winning gold at the Olympics. So he was arguing that there's just something there that sometimes 
what the book says is the right way to do it or, or, or what the data says doesn't always account for all of the performance factors, whether it's from sport, whether it's from lifestyle, whatever it is. There's other things than just the sport performance and there's other things than just your fitness that are going to help you. So that I thought was, was really interesting to see somebody in such a high standard in the exercise science world talk about you know, not necessarily doing things the way they're supposed to do. So that's why what I want to challenge myself, but as well as some of you guys out there too, is is just think about doing things maybe outside the box and, and not getting so caught up on doing things by the book, you know? And I think that's something that we can all take away on that. So, that you know, lots of great conferences, lots of great talks here at the CSEP conference in Winnipeg. I, uh, you know, like I said, Winnipeg itself was cold. It wasn't the best, but the actual conference itself was great. It's kind of funny coming back from Winnipeg, you know, I kind of got reminded about how lucky I am to live on the West Coast. In Winnipeg when I was leaving on Saturday, you know, it was like minus 10 degrees. It was snowing. The wind was howling. It was just miserable. And I thought, get me out of here. So on the plane, fly home, coming into Victoria, anybody who's done that fly over the Rockies into, into Victoria, it's a great flight. But as I was coming in, it's blue skies, warm. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I thought, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm never going back to Winnipeg where it's cold and miserable. I'm going to stay right here. So back in Victoria, back doing uh, some more research, building off of what we did at the conference, building off of what I've already done and continuing with my PhD stuff. In the lab this week, in the physiology lab, we are looking at energy expenditure. And basically what we are looking at is the, the difference or the points in which carbohydrates are, con- are, are used to fuel your energy and when fats are used to fuel your energy. And this is a hot topic, and I am going to talk a little bit about the keto diet and get into that a little bit. But uh, what I do think and, and, and kind of what the energy expenditure shows is that at moderate intensity exercise – this is pretty well known. You're using mostly fats as as your fuel source. You know you have longer time to digest, to to absorb it, to to use that that fat to produce ATP energy. But in carbohydrates, it's a quicker fuel source. But of course, we know we can't use it as long. So usually, you start off moderate exercise. You're using fats mostly to to fuel you, to give you the energy. And then as the exercise gets more and more intense, or as it goes on longer, we see a crossover from using mostly fat to using now mostly carbohydrates. And this is what we call the crossover point. So, you know, using fats and then it gets so intense that you have to use carbohydrates. Your body just can't keep up with the demands, so it has to use carbohydrates, which are quicker, easier to make uh, to make energy with. And this crossover point uh, changes from a fit person to an unfit person. So a fit person is going to be able to use those fats for a longer period of time, whereas maybe an unfit person is going to change over to carbohydrates sooner, not going to be able to maintain it as long, and and again, aren't going to be able to perform as well. But uh, what we also see in differences between males and females, females genetically are just better at uh, using fats as a fuel source. They can do it for a longer period of time. That crossover point actually happens later on in training uh, or, or exercise than it does for males. Males tend to you know, genetically use carbohydrates sooner than, than, than females. So that's something to consider with, with uh, sex differences between males and females. But what we can do is we can train an athlete. Uh, you know, you want to get that, that 
threshold up, those lactate thresholds up, and we want to also get you know our aerobic capacity up so that when we do train, we don't have to rely on those quick carbohydrates as much because although, again, it's quick, we get that quickly fuel source, we're not going to be able to maintain for very long, so we have to be well-equipped at using that uh, aerobic and that fat energy as well. So that's what we're doing in the lab this week. Uh, next week, I think we're starting to get into white blood cells. We're going to start doing all that kind of stuff, so fun stuff at the physiology lab at the University of Victoria. And we're back at it, you know, just going like crazy. This week, coming this week, talking about this fitness test that uh, that I put together as part of my, my master's thesis, that fitness test, the standardized fitness test, is going to be implemented to the Karate BC athletes this weekend. So in Vancouver on Saturday and then on Sunday in Nanaimo on uh, Vancouver Island, you guys are going to be doing my fitness test. So all seven of the tests on there. So uh, yeah, that's coming down the pipeline. And we're going from there. So that's kind of what my week was all about. Busy week, CSEP conference, and then again, the uh, lab here at the University of Victoria. So lots of fun stuff coming along. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, anybody who's tuning in too. And what I wanted to say is in the next couple of weeks, we are going to have some guests come on the show. Richard Mosdell is going to join us again, talk about, you know, a little bit of, of something that we've kind of already touched on a little bit, but uh, and I don't want to ruin it. But it's going to dig into that idea that sometimes we can't always measure what's going to help us perform. So, so think about that as we get in. Also coming on, hopefully, I'm, ha- I'm hoping to have uh, a chiropractor. I don't want to quite throw out her name yet because, you know, she still has to confirm. But a chiropractor who's big on the keto diet as well as on exogenous ketones. So anybody who knows, if you followed my story here today on Instagram, my Instagram story, I took those those prove it exogenous ketones for the first time. And I want to talk about what I think and, and that, and I'll get to that in a second. But first, before I get there, I want to dive into a little bit of Sensei Says. So Sensei Says, a little goes a long way. And this was a theme at the CSEP conference this, this past week in Winnipeg. And what I mean by that is a little bit of inactivity can go a long way in terms of, you know, not changing your current situation or, or maybe even making things worse, being inactive. A little bit, a little bit of inactivity can go a long way in terms of, of harming you or not helping. But a little bit can also go a long way in doing exercise. And, and there was a great talk by uh, Professor Kathy Gall at the University of Victoria. She talked about exercise as medicine or exercise is medicine. And, you know, this is a, a something that's going on right across the country, really looking at exercise and, and how it can improve your overall health and, and, and your optimal performance in your day-to-day living. And, you know, what, what, like I said, the theme was is a little bit of exercise goes a long way. So no matter w- how much you're doing, and I know sometimes it's hard to drag yourself to the gym or to exercise or train for sport performance or whatever it is, but a little bit is, is often a good idea. And yeah, even when you're sick, sometimes a little bit is a, it can go a long way in helping you out. So that's what I want you to think about. A little bit goes a long way, whether it's, you know, a little bit of inactivity or a little bit of activity itself. Think about that when you're trying to get to your next one. So now 
everything, uh, let's dive into what I know you guys want to talk about. What are my thoughts on the exogenous ketones? That was the ask KFIT question that came my way this past week. What are your thoughts on exogenous ketones, their benefits, that kind of thing? If you didn't see, I put out a, a little infographic by Dr. Alan Gogner who showed what the kind of uh, science says behind the keto diet. And just to kind of uh, you know go over that a little bit, so far, the, the research on keto diets outside of, of specific populations, so we know that there is benefits to certain populations like people with Alzheimer's or people with seizures. There, there is solid research to show that. But in terms of actual weight loss, fat loss, there's not enough research to show that the keto diet is any better than any other type of diet. That's just what the research has shown so far. And, and you know, when... The main thing is obviously calories in, calories out. So when that's taken for account, the keto diet has shown no specific uh, benefits in terms of the research. Some people swear by it, and I think that's great. But I'm just going so right now what the research says. In terms of sport performance, and this is something that I came up with before and said, and I, I, I really support this. If you're an anaerobic athlete, so if you're doing those short burst, high-intensity outputs, I don't think you should be taking following a keto diet. I don't think you should be taking exogenous ketones because ketones are an aerobic metabolism. They're an aerobic energy system. So it takes longer. You need that oxygen present, all that kind of stuff. But um, you, can't, you, you can maintain it for longer, but it's not what you want to use for anaerobic performance. For anaerobic performance, we want that short burst high intensity fuel, which is carbohydrates. So it wouldn't make sense to me as an exercise physiologist, it doesn't make sense why any anaerobic athlete would follow a keto diet. Now, aerobic athletes, if you're like a marathon runner or if you're a triathlete or whatever, uh, if you do Ironmans, the keto diet, and there's not much research, there is no research really to support this, but I believe that the keto diet could be beneficial to you in, in those cases because, again, you want that long-term energy source, which keto ketones are. But, again, you can't truly take a stand on something until you try it. So I tried today before my workout, and it kind of worked out good because I needed a little bit of kick in the pants after coming back from Winnipeg, still a little bit jet-lagged, moving a little bit slow. I tried the exogenous ketones. So what did I think? What did I find? Well, first thing when you, when you read the ingredients, and we're going to get into this hopefully with uh, the chiropractor that I want to bring in here, and, and, and you know she's big on keto. So I, hopefully we can get her in here and talk about it. But when you look at the ingredients on the back, it's got, uh, it's got a ketone. The first ingredient is a ketone called beta-hydroxybutyrate in you know, a lab setting. And then all the other ingredients on there are, you know, there's maybe about nine or ten of other other of them, are all, you know, there, there's some amino acids in there that you'll see in pre-workouts. So there's like taurine and arginine. Those are the things that really give you those jitteries, you know, anybody who's taken pre-workout. There's caffeine in there. It's, it's sweetened by stevia. Uh, I think there's magnesium put in there as well. So it's really just a blend of amino acids and, and one ketone and some caffeine that, you know, gives you energy, and of and of course it does, right? It's got it's got caffeine in it again, that arginine and that taurine. So, you know, when I when I took it, it was right away. I thought, oh, this is a pre workout. I'm I'm just taking a pre workout supplement. Uh, you know, the big argument by those exogenous ketones is that when you take them, it automatically puts you into ketosis, which is the metabolic state of burning ketones as the primary fuel, but 
that's not true. You, you, you can't just take an exogenous ketone and be in the metabolic state of ketosis. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, ketosis takes two, three weeks, more even sometimes, of very strict diet of high percentage of, of, of fat intake, like 60 to 80% moderate protein and low carb intake to get you into the state of ketosis where you're burning ketones as your primary fuel. So, you know, you can't just take a, a ketone, uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, in the form of a supplement and be in ketosis. That just doesn't make sense to me. That's not how the body works. So right away... I was a little bit skeptical. But in terms of how it felt, it felt just like a, a pre-workout. Uh, one thing that was completely alarming to me is in this one packet of, it was a sample, in this one packet of this uh, exogenous ketones, there was 67% of your daily required intake of sodium. And what we know about sodium is that the more sodium you have, the, the more likely you are to be hypertensive, to have high blood pressure. And, and it's a direct relationship with that and, and, uh, and a bunch of other metabolic diseases. So 67% of sodium in one package of this exogenous ketones. I couldn't believe it. So right away, I, I, I kind of discounted that a little bit, and, and I didn't think that was completely necessary. Now, if you're somebody who needs pre-workout or uses pre-workout, and that's kind of a different topic, I don't think there's any problem with taking this this ketone these ketones uh, supplement. In fact, I think it's probably better than some of the other pre-workout supplements that are out there. So if you're going to be using pre-workout, I don't think there's any problem with using these exogenous ketones as a form of keto, as a for, form of uh, a pre-workout. But I don't think there's enough research or, or really enough evidence in the ingredients to show that it's it's a great health supplement. That alone, I know a lot of the the ketos, ketone programs are more than just the shake, but that's what I took. Uh, I, I, I'll probably finish the pack as I actually took half of it because I'm a little bit sensitive to that stuff. I'll probably take the other half of it and I'll probably potentially probably never use it again. But there it is. I took it. I, I, I wanted to take it to kind of form my own opinion. I did it, and that's what I think. So if you guys have anything to talk about or, or, or you want to build off that, let me know. Send me a message, and we can talk about it. We are going to get, hopefully, a doctor in here to talk about those ketones, what what they think is, and I want to have a debate. So let's hopefully we can get that happening. So there it is. All right, guys. Well, it's, ha it's good to be back. It's good to be back in studio talking to you guys, bringing you, you all the best whatever from the exercise world what I think and I am going to get some more guests like I said on here but uh, I do appreciate you guys listening in tuning in sending me your questions uh, and just really joining this conversation because that's what it's all about remember these uh, live episodes are going to be done hopefully every Monday now from here on out I got a little crazy with the CSEP conference and trying to get some of my research done and research in trying to get published all kinds of different stuff happening there so uh, fell behind a little bit on that but every Monday night hopefully at about 9 9.30, we're going to do these live shows. Then you ain't going to see it till Wednesday morning when the actual podcast episode will be released. If you haven't already, go to iTunes, go to Google Play, subscribe to the KFit Show. You'll get them every week automatically on your phone. You can listen to my annoying voice every single week and uh, you can join the conversation. So please do that. And uh, absolutely, I appreciate you guys listening in. And that pretty much wraps up this episode of the KFit Show. But I will be back next week and I'll be throwing lots of content out as we go along. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week.